This is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today we're going to be talking about some seriously dark shit, sadly. Uh, coronavirus updates, of course, being at the top of the list, uh, along with some absolute fuckery from both the police and the sheriffs over the last few weeks. Uh, well, actually years, but we'll get to it. Uh, and then we're going to be concluding on actually a, a bit of a hopeful note relating to some information as to what you can do to help ensure that renters are not quite as fucked uh, in this crisis as they are currently set to be. Uh, so stay tuned till the end and we'll give you information about how to, uh, who you need to call and what you need to be demanding in order to make some real changes happening here. But first, uh, how's it going for you, Bushido? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's been a really busy week on all fronts, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the election. Uh, mutual aid is still going on. And then there's just still a constant stream of actions across the city and the nation, even though the larger media is not paying attention to it. People are still out in the streets. In fact, um, to sort of like we're recording this on Saturday morning. So to uh, bring you some live breaking news, there is a, a pro LAPD rally going on at LAPD HQ right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, absolutely wild like showed that one photo well first uh okay so this is this is the astroturfed bullshit flyer uh <laughs> where this this is the literal organization organizing this is the community for the community <laughs> which like yep. it, that's a fucking abbott and costello name like who are you oh, with yeah. the community who are you for the community who's on second fuck you uh just and keep in mind lapd has like more than 80 officers like the number i've heard thrown around is like 88 and i'm sure that number changes over time mm -hmm. with like attrition and promotions and hirings and whatever but they have almost 100 people in lapdhq who just work on pr and this is the best they could do like this is this is what your tax dollars are paying for at an insane salary because also if you're like well why don't they just hire a civilian graphic designer or like something like that to do it. LAPD has a habit of hiring sworn officers to do fucking everything outside of janitorial work. Oh, yeah. And if they could hire sworn officers to do janitorial work, I'm sure they would do that too. Well, but one thing that they can't hire sworn officers to do because apparently it's too difficult for them to do uh, is operate the 911 switchboard. So those have to be uh, civilian employees of the LAPD, which why the fuck does 911 go through the LAPD? It's, yeah. Most of the time when people are calling 911, at least from – or not most. I, I shouldn't say that because I don't actually know what the situation is. No, you should are. say most because, like, LAPD spends about 4% of its time responding to violent calls. Co correct. Like, I was just going to say the vast majority of the, of the time that people call yeah. 911 is not that because is they correct, need a yes. guy with a gun. Correct. My, my point was I was going to say that it should be handled by the fire department, but I don't actually know if the fire department receives the majority of their calls. But I would say or, that, you know, like have a unified switchboard that also yes. loops in LASA and the Department of, of Mental Health Absolutely. and like yeah. 
all of that shit, like the actual services, like the police, like should be the lo- like the lowest part of that, that one. like the least called, the least relied upon. Yeah. Anyways, um, but before I yell about that too much, <laughs> let's keep looking at like this is incredibly stupid pro cop rally. So here's the, the um, anti rally. Yeah, which is not apparently very big. Like the the uh, counter protest is pretty small, which like I'm not that surprised about. Like even the police rally isn't that big. Um, it, you know, it's it's. I don't think this is a huge draw for a lot of people. There is yeah. also an action going down starting here in the next 15 minutes because um, it's almost noon, um, at least when we're recording, uh, down at the Compton Sheriff Station. Um, again, protesting over Andres Guardado. Mm-hmm. And some stuff that we'll be covering a little bit later on in the in the podcast. So there's like bigger, more focused actions happening in LA and showing up to tell a bunch of like cop lovers that, you know, we don't like them isn't really, I think, high on anybody's docket. Uh yeah, actually I, I uh I'm pretty sure that BLM was very much aware of this protest and said, nah, we like we're don't just even gonna ignore them. Um speaking of who's being ignored. Here is a picture from the rally. This is a screenshot from a uh, an Instagram live feed, which sadly we couldn't pull any clips from due to technical difficulties. But uh, it is definitely a, a case of very fantastic, well-paid graphic designers doing the job of creating these fucking signs. Oh, uh, that was definitely paid for by the LAPPL. Like, that, that was definitely came straight out of like Jamie McBride's operating budget. <laughs> but like, it, 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 here's the other thing I'll direct you to is, so we have the sign about Gar shitty uh, being shitty, which amazing wordplay folks. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, top level, like Shakespearean level thinking here. Uh, but then right in front of that is a guy holding, I don't think it's comic sans. I think that it's uh, the actual, I think it's actually the knockoff Apple sans oh, or right. Apple comic, which is like, the cheaper generic like <laughs> comic font that people with no sensibility use. Oh. But then the guy that's holding this comic sans ass sign is wearing this very threatening shirt. And oh, yeah. like, it's quite the juxtaposition between like his sign and his shirt. And like the, the actual like intellectual level of folks that like are on that side of the line. Cause like their analysis isn't very deep or very good. Like, LAPPLs pretty much like their only argument is like you just keep paying us because you've been doing that for a long time and there's a lot of us <laughs> and that's about it like none of the data none of the research shows that having a bigger more violent police department makes anything better in fact yeah. all of the data shows the exact fucking opposite and as well as like the rest of the developed world like the thing that is so mind-boggling to me is when you look at countries like France Germany England Norway like anywhere in the EU and in fact, most of, of the rest of the world, like most of the developed world, I would argue, police officers on the beat do not carry guns. Yes. Like as a matter of course, most police officers are not armed. Or if like they are armed, it's generally with a much smaller sidearm. You know, you don't really see cops in Hong Kong or cops in Shanghai walking around with like MP5s st- strapped to their back as a matter of course. Now, if you go out to some of the other provinces in China, Yes, you do see that. You do see this more <laughs> militarized policing because of like an attempt to crack down on Islamic culture and a sort of xenophobic mm-hmm. anti-terror campaign. Exactly. But at the same time, like when you look at other countries' most extreme forms of repression, you just see those all the time on American streets. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it was not that long ago that NYPD was just on every fucking subway platform with a machine gun to keep everyone safe. Yeah. And, like, we all just kind of accepted that. So, anyways, <laughs> we could very easily take away their guns as, like, where that one was going. And we would all probably be the better for it. Yeah, we absolutely but should. When, when the Tony McBrides and the Jamie McBrides of the world are the ones, like, setting the narrative, mm -hmm. it's really hard to, like, get past that bluster. Or the fact that, like, Hollywood gives them clearance to do this shit. Like, just just so we know, um, the latest Bad Boys movie will probably be the highest grossing movie of 2020. Um, not because it was a particularly good or high grossing movie. It was just one of the only movies to make it out before, like, the theaters closed because of a pandemic. So, <laughs> I don't know. Make of that what you will. Yeah, I'm... Should I pull that, uh, the video from uh, People's Budget LA that goes into Tony McBride and the LAPPL? I don't know if we have Not time. now. We can, we can, yeah, we can link to that uh, later. Yeah. But Jamie McBride, not good, folks, no. not good. Also, Jordan, uh, and, uh, somebody who's been doing a lot of work with Knock, yeah. and their last name escapes me at the moment, um, but Jordan's been doing some amazing threads just going through the social media posts of Jamie McBride and other LAPPL officers, and, or sorry, other P LAPPL officials and other LAPD officers. Mm -hmm. And there's like some really heinous shit in there. Like it's really bad. It's just all about saying the quiet part loud. Fortunately, we now have Facebook. So as much as Facebook sucks, it's given people a level of comfort that they can control who sees their shitty opinions. Like it's broken down the private public divide Surprise. a little bit. So it's a lot easier to, to be like, Hey, Jamie McBride, why do you have a lot of Nazi paraphernalia up on your like world war or up on your Pinterest? So much um, Nazi paraphernalia. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, like, here's the thing. So I, I mentioned, you know, several times, like I grew up among very wealthy conservative folks in Arizona, but there was a lot of my dad's friends. Like I was born in California and that's where my dad went to college and where he grew up. So a lot of his friends were here in California. So like down in Manhattan beach, one of his very wealthy friends on his like, you know, uh, boardwalk uh, side mansion had a huge display case in his living room with an SS general's uniform and another Nazi officer's uniform, as well as like some guns and like a stormtrooper helmet. And like when you asked him about it, he was like, oh, it's just historically significant. And you're like, well, then put that in the fucking museum, not in the middle of your fucking living room. Mm -hmm. So for anyone out there who's like thinking, no, no, there's no way that like Jamie McBride could be a secret Nazi. Yes, yes, there is. He runs in those circles where those people do that. Like, their fetishization of World War II isn't about the American troops and stuff. No, it's not. It is about the ascendancy and the savior complex of being a white man in that period of time because, like, we told ourselves that's who saved the world if we just ignore the fact that, you know, fucking Russia exists and also fought in that war. Um, but, yeah, uh before we get too but bogged down no, no, on no. that, because they like, really are just huge fans of Hugo Boss. They yeah, love exactly. that Hugo Boss, like those those thigh high leather leather boots, like that's their jam. I mean, BMWs are the ultimate driving machine. <laughs> anyway, uh, and let's let's not let's not ask where they got their engineers yeah, originally. Let's not, uh, don't ask where NASA got them from either. Um, <laughs> 
anyway, uh, other things that have happened this week now that we've uh, gone into uh, quite a bit of detail about uh, completely not this week stuff other than the today rally. Um, but yeah, so th- there was a uh, there was a meeting of the board of supervisors that I was live tweeting. Uh, because that is the thing that I do now all the time. And I need to figure out how to plug that in for Twitch and make it hopefully more interactive because there's a lot of, it's actually getting pretty good traction over on uh, the knock.la Twitter page. Um, and it's it's hopefully useful, but I would love to have people like saying things to me rather than having to go dig through uh, replies on Twitter when I've got a 150 tweet thread. So hopefully we'll have some kind of like an interactive system set up for that <laughs> soon. Um, but there were a couple of really important things that happened in the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday, the most prominent of which is this, it was a unanimous vote by the Board of Supervisors to begin a study into like what the process would be for shutting down Men's Central Jail, which is one of the worst detention facilities, I would argue, in the country. Uh, I mean, I would say in the world, fair. it's like it's literally one of the largest prisons in the world. And it's a constant battle between that and Cook County in Chicago. Oh, God. So, yeah, they, one of the things that I forget if it was Supervisor, I think it was Supervisor Kuhl, Kuhl who was mentioning that there are instances where there's flooding inside of Men's Central Jail and like inmates are having to walk in knee deep water within the jail like absolutely horrific conditions so there's anyway the the point is that there was a motion that was put forward uh to pursue the closure of the jail and like laying out what it would take to do that within one year so this is something that is the culmination of a whole lot of work from justice la and a bunch of their allies uh, in that coalition coming together and pushing and pushing and pushing for the board of supervisors to take this action uh absolutely in in contrast to the um shall we say uh, high-level intellectual arguments put forward by the cops and their supporters uh, for why they need to keep the jail open. One of the people that actually called in, because it was it was uh, the way that public comment at the Board of Supervisors meeting works is uh, similar to how it works for the city council, but it's uh, less accessible, uh, although it is more informative. It's weird. Anyway, uh, they at least tell you when you're going onto the air for the Board of Supervisors, and they call you by name, which is interesting versus city council they're just like next caller and you're like what is it me yeah anyway um one of the people that called in uh argued that they shouldn't be pursuing closing men's central jail because it is centrally located and therefore easier for the families to access uh for visitation and that's the reason why they should Mm. keep the jail open um but the what happened during the call was i mean imagine imagine how easy a home visitation would be if you were at home that's way way beyond their comprehension you're just you're blowing their mind with that um no but the 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 call during the during the board meeting they had uh public comment was coming in and we actually had like the president of uh a lads the the sheriff's deputies union uh or association rather because they're not just, fucking unions he the fact that they're called a lads is just <laughs> it sounds like I, I i hate to disrupt you or disrupt you too much but like it sounds like one of the gangs from like peaky blinders <laughs> You know, look, look out. Here come the A-lads. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, also, we're wearing matching T-shirts today. Hooray, sunrise. Um, ah. But yeah, the... the uh, you know, we can, we, we'll talk about that a little bit at the, at the uh, end, too, because yeah. sunrise has found a little bit of a controversy. Well, we won't cover it too much. Yeah, Let's, uh, we'll save that. Yeah, we'll, we'll flag that one for yep, later. Yep. Um, but yeah, so the... the uh, anyway, there, there were like multiple 
uh, or the the peace officers professional association or something like that multiple cop unions calling in to say you cannot close this jail down we need more facilities you can't let these people go blah 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 and it was really depressing listening to this because i'm so used to like like city hall comment where it's just absolutely flooded by activists and it's awesome because it's everyone being like a year as my a time, violent angry <laughs> man with a gun i just have to say oh yeah that we should put all the violent angry men in it, cages yeah it was and you're like all right it was super bleak to listen to but fortunately how it turned out was that despite what was happening with the public comment period during the meeting uh there was a complete inability of the cops to actually you know weigh in ahead of time so there however many people they had calling in they got like 10 of them through uh, on the call and there were apparently only 20 of them who emailed in comments or submitted the little form electronically uh, to tell the county to not pursue the closure of men's central jail versus more than 1500 people commenting saying close that fucker down and uh, yeah. that was fantastic to hear thank you supervisor Solis for pointing out the fact that there was massive public support for closing the fucking jail Contrary to all of the yep. cops calling in and be like, there's no public support for this. Da, 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 da. They're fucking idiots. Anyway, um, that was great. There was also uh, full funding uh, support going into the Alternatives to Incarceration Project, which I believe it's actually a working group. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was being put forward by, uh, I believe, Supervisor Kuehl. And, uh, and it was co-signed by Mark Ridley Thomas. And then they flipped positions for who was in which spot for the motion on the funding of the Office of Diversion and Reentry, uh, both of which were celebrated for their success and were offered up as alternatives to, you know, throwing people into jail where nothing useful is happening. Uh, another fun yep. thing that happened was the uh, sheriff called in uh, to give his comment on the motion, which was great. Uh, and he huh. uh, was talking about he listed like the, the number of these violent uh, suspects. Who were being detained in the jail and uh one of the supervisors i think it was solis was doing the math and capturing the total that he listed versus the number of inmates that are actually housed and pointed out that it was less than half of the people that are currently uh in men's central jail or about half uh, have actually been convicted of something the other half of the people that are in the jail right now are awaiting trial they have not been convicted and they're being subjected to absolutely inhumane fucking levels of incarceration and uh torture because of the, the conditions within the jail it's absolutely insane uh so it was great to see a little bit of a clap back against uh the sheriff immediately after he got off the call because that dude is insane uh there was also i mean it's it's just the the basic principle of justice that i would rather see every innocent man incarcerated than have one guilty man go free that's so fucking bleak to turn that around like that. Thank you. Um, there was also uh, one other good thing that came up was the the Youth at Work program, which is a pathway to, um, you know, a good paying job for, for specifically targeted at the foster youth within the county system, uh, because it is very difficult for people who are growing up in foster care to get a leg up when it comes to entering the workforce because of the massive number of systemic issues that we have with taking care of people who have been orphaned or put up, uh, you know, in, into various circumstances where their parents are not able to take care of them. I mean, this is also true for yep. tons of people across the county, even if they do have their parents available to help them. Um, but the Youth at Work program did get a bunch of funding, which was great. Uh, and then there was also some uh, further, I believe it was funding and also like um, teeth added to the uh, public defender's 
office where there's a group within the public defender's office at the county level that does uh, basically investigations into bad cops and finds out which ones are on like the Brady lists and all of the rest of the stuff yeah. that comes to like, these are not cops that you can trust for any of this stuff. This was, you know, SB 1421 uh, is involved with all of this stuff from last, was it two, two legislative cycles ago? Um, but yeah, the, the bad cops are not trustworthy for testimony uh, have their testimony has been overturned in, on a number of appeals and people are then released from jail and that's great. Uh, this is a proactive investigation into that kind of stuff through the public defender's office and it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also pissed off the sheriff. There were lots of things that pissed off the sheriff at the board of supervisors meeting this week. It was fun. Ha. So yeah, that was that yeah. was what I was up to on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> So now for the bleak stuff. Yeah, really. Yeah, really doing the the yeoman's work on the uh, the live Thank tweeting. You. It's a uh, it's a lot, folks. Like I could not do that. I'm not gonna lie. Like that that's like four to six hours of having to listen to people <laughs> like Mark Ridley Thomas, uh, and all the ridiculously boring procedural bullshit. Oh, he is because so bad. <laughs> like, lo- well, and like local government is to an extent still organized and operated in a way to make it uh, opaque yeah. to anyone who's not in the yeah. know. Um, and there's a lot of jargon and research and other stuff you have to do to figure out what the hell is actually going on. And it's very easy to misinterpret or miss things. And they do that on purpose. Like they could make things a lot cleaner and clearer, but they have no vested interest in doing that because it's a form of gatekeeping and a form of intimidation for people who do want to show up and make public comment about something. It's very easy for them to be like, oh, you said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And now we ignore you. So, yeah. So thank you very much for doing that. And, um, Remember, we we do not cover work-related injuries, so your carpal tunnel syndrome is going to be on you, Chris. It's shit. The unfortunate <laughs> fact of the matter. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about other debilitating illnesses. Uh, speaking of coronavirus in California, which before we like go into California, I just want to give a big shout out to the state of Arizona, um, where I spent my formative years for being the biggest hotspot for COVID cases in the entire fucking world. The entire world. Arizona is number one. 49th in education, number one in COVID. Uh, yeah. That's- also, if, uh, if, if the Supreme Court, like with the Supreme Court's ruling on um, the, the uh, indigenous land in Oklahoma, uh, keep in mind that like, I think 60% of Arizona's landmass is actually reservations. So, mm. hey, cool, mm. I guess. Just kind of a weird fact to throw in there. Um, but yeah, let's talk about California. Yeah. And going to get rid of the chat seeing as nobody seems to be interfacing with us today on there. Uh, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. Shit's bleak. Uh, shit's real bleak. Really, really, really bleak, uh, for the state of California. We've got, um, as of this morning, we are now up to 312,403 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. That is a 105,592 more than when we recorded two weeks ago, uh, which means that there's been in the last two weeks a 50%, more than 50% increase in the total number of cases just in the last two weeks. It's just astounding. Like this graph, we are any, any possible claims that we were like flattening the fucking curve we're flattening it as we mentioned before the wrong way it's we're going vertical as quickly as we can 
and seeing how many fucking people we can kill in this state uh, because the governor completely fucked this up. Our mayor absolutely fucked this oh, up. Oh, yeah. Uh, and apparently, according to Sheila Kuehl from the Board of Supervisors, we fucked this up because we were not to be trusted with... Uh, we, we, we didn't wear our masks appropriately at the fucking bars that they let open in the goddamn city and county. Well, and also the fact that, like, the people who are getting sick now, especially young people, are the ones who are most likely to work those service yep. industry jobs. So, you know, it's it's not so much that we're going out to bars and having parties, though people are doing that, I'm not going yeah, to yeah. lie, but it's more that we've, we've created an opportunity for all that stuff to yes. spread um, and to spread, like, across the city because people travel around L.A. And if you see the amount of traffic out there, it's pretty much back to pre-pandemic levels um, even though this is far from yeah. over. So there were uh, an astounding 9,435 new cases confirmed yesterday, uh, which does not appear to be what's captured on this graph. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but uh, the other, let me double check to make sure that these graphs are the ones from this week. Uh, no, these are the ones from last time we did this. Let me pull up the new ones real quick. Sorry. They all, like, when you've got all of the graphs in a folder, um, it gets very easy yeah. to think that you've got the ones from before, or the ones that you have for, are from now instead of from uh, previously. So let's turn that off. Fady, fady. Just remember, anything that looks better is obviously old. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's... see, told you. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, uh, they added an extra fucking vertical, uh, you know, or sorry, another horizontal line at the 10,000 mark instead of being at the uh, 8,000 or 6,000 mark. Yeah, it, it's real, really, really, really fucking bad. Um, so we had 9,435 new confirmed cases yesterday. Two weeks ago, it was only 5,700 new cases the day before we recorded. Uh, that is astounding to see it almost double in terms of the number of new cases per day. Yeah. Uh, we've, we're up to 6,958 deaths in the state due to the virus, 98 of them yesterday. We are seeing higher deaths per day now in the last week than we had during the peak times back in fucking April when, uh, everything was actually shut down. So, uh, to anybody wondering whether or not we are going to shut down, that's an excellent question. Whether or not we should be shutting everything down, absolutely, <laughs> everyone should be quarantining at home as best they can not going out to bars not going out to restaurants not going anywhere if you do not have to because this is just cutting through the state of california like the fucking plague that it is um yep specific specifically here in los angeles county um oh yeah sorry we we're now up to sadly 6958 deaths in the state uh again 98 of them yesterday uh, here in L.A. County, we're up to 127,439 confirmed cases of COVID-19, uh, 2,433 new cases yesterday. That's 34% more daily cases than we had two weeks ago uh, and 36% more total cases than what we had two weeks ago. So the state of yeah. California has added 50%. Uh, the county of Los Angeles has added a third. So we are not the major contributor for the number of new cases other than like that day a week ago when we had over 4,000 new cases here in LA County, which is insane. Uh, sadly, we are now up to 3,744 deaths in the county due to the virus, 
53 of them yesterday. Two weeks ago, we were in the 20 to 30 deaths per day average. Um, yeah, I mean, this the seven-day trend line tells the fucking story. Like, we were kind mm-hmm. of flattening things out and going down, but it's a lagging indicator. Like, the number of the, the new cases show up, and it takes a couple of weeks before that works its way into deaths because of the way that the virus systematically attacks our immune systems and (laughs) just slowly kills people. So we see the lagging indicator in the deaths. There's absolutely going to be a spike. We are looking at the seven day trends surpassing what we were at the peak at the end of April. That's very quickly going to come to pass. It's going to be a very fucking bleak next couple of months. Uh, Brace yourselves, folks. This sucks. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, interesting to chart sort of the apologia that's going on and like where people are trying to make it seem like it's not this bad this time that like the death rates aren't accelerating as much as we think but one of the things we found out earlier in this pandemic is a lot of people are dying at home and not getting counted in the official statistics until later uh and also the cdc itself estimates that our testing rates uh are show are are undercounting by 10 times so if it's if three million people have tested positive for COVID in the US, then that means 30 million people actually have it, which is 10% of the population, not 1% of the population. And more testing is obviously good, but testing itself is not going to get us out of this. Like, you know, that that creepy Disney ad that I played at the top of the show as our cold open, if that shit keeps happening, things are going to get worse. Like, there is no reason to go to Disneyland or Disney World or like, fucking shaky's pizza or anything right now you you will survive at home a little bit longer it's okay um and i i don't know it just gets really it bothers me that people are taking that so frivolously and that people think that like they are going to be able to skirt the edges of a pandemic and if you read the latest like report from the world health organization there are people in the world health organization that are saying that covid has been Uh, aerosolized for a long while, meaning it can survive in the air without your specific droplets. Like your droplets from your mouth and nose are the easiest way to spread it. But just being in a room with people talking and then leaving that room could still infect someone else. Like that could be a thing. So anytime you're going into large public spaces, anytime you're going into places where a lot of people are going to be going in and out, you're not just putting all of them at risk. You're putting yourself at a huge, huge deal of risk. Um, And like, where I see retailers sort of falling short or opting to have more people in the store than like taking care of their employees and their customers, I get a little bit wary because it's been my prediction for a while that we're going to see another huge spike like this. And when we did, no one in power would have the courage to shut down the economy again. And that's what we're seeing. At most, the CDC and other like public health advocates are asking people to go back to a phase one reopening, not all the way back to a safer at home order. And that's just a guarantee that people are going to die. Yep. So, yeah, and, and the other thing worth pointing out is that uh, the deaths that they're counting due to COVID is probably a dramatic undercount um, for more expounding upon what you were saying before. Yeah. This is, they have found in, in recent patients that they've been doing autopsies on, they have found that uh, there are blood clots throughout the body in all of the organs. This is not simply a respiratory infection. 
This is a yeah. vascular infection. It infects your entire bloodstream and all of the systems related to oxygenating your fucking organs, which means that people's people are dying from any number of, of, of issues of surrounding how a blood infection works like your shit your kidney your kidneys shutting down and slowly poisoning yep. your body getting blood clots in the blood brain barrier like all of these areas where your system can just be completely shut down it explains why like the original thought that asthmatics and people with respiratory infections were like particularly immunocompromised for this were to an extent very valid because that was how a lot of the cases were first presenting was with pulmonary failure but when it comes down to it, like it turns out that it's your entire fucking body that is at risk of this. And they also see there, there's some kind of a symptom with that they're seeing in children specifically where your, your fingers get swollen up and uh, hot and itchy and, and turn colors because the blood flow is inhibited in, your, in the capillaries in your fingers. It's really just terrifying shit. And take this, people need to be taking this so much more seriously than they are. And it's, 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 it's bad. Um, yeah. But speaking of really bad things, um, I don't know what to do for like a segue into this. This sucks. Yeah, there's um, no. So we're, we're going to move on now to talk about the uh, murder of Andres Guardado at the hands of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Uh, we've been talking about this a little bit. Uh, well, a lot, actually. Uh, Andres Guardado was an 18 year old security guard yep. uh, working at a uh, uh, auto repair shop. Uh, he was approached by two uniform deputies who chased him into the business and then shot him five times, uh, killing him. The deputies claimed that he had an illegal firearm and that he ran from them. Uh, witnesses at the scene said that he was complying with orders and kneeling with his back to the deputies when he was shot. The deputies seized, well, the deputies and detectives who came by to investigate the officer-involved shooting seized all of the video recording equipment and cameras, uh, destroyed a couple, uh, and so it's been... The, after that happened, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department also put a security hold or a special hold on the autopsy results, uh, which is supposed to be a way they, – they say that when they put that hold on, it's to preserve the uh, integrity of the investigation. What it actually is is a way for them to slow walk investigations that are going to make them look bad so people forget about them, are less angry, and it's harder for the family to get evidence in time for them to launch a robust civil action against the sheriff's department or to prosecute those cops for murder. Like, it serves multiple functions for protecting the sheriff. The autopsy results are out. And um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put on my psychic cap, Chris, and I'm seeing into the future, and I'm predicting that it's going to turn out that the cops were lying. How'd I do? You're, yeah. Um, yeah. So there was there was actually there was an independent autopsy that was commissioned by the family because of this uh, hold that was placed, and the independent autopsy uh, came about saying that there were five gunshots into on uh, Anthony's back, uh, and that those gunshots were fatal. Uh, the sheriff was contesting that, and then uh, basically out out of the blue, the uh, L.A. County coroner came out and straight up was like, yep, here's our results because this is in the interest. I'll, I'll read the statement here in a second. Um, but yeah. the, the LA County coroner officially corroborated what the family's uh, independent autopsy had found on all of this. Uh, the From the LA Times, quote, all five gunshot wounds were fatal, the report said. The cause of death was certified on July 7th as multiple gunshot wounds and the manner of death was certified as homicide, the coroner's office said. Uh, the statement from the chief medical examiner coroner 
Dr. Jonathan Lucas, who coincidentally, uh, just for random L.A. County trivia, he's the only one that can actually uh, arrest the sheriff, if you were wondering who it is that can arrest the sheriff. Uh, it's the coroner. Today I learned. There you go. Uh, Where would his... he hold him, though? Like, would he put the <laughs> sheriff, like, in a morgue, like... Would they just have like, would they have Sheriff Alex like in a drawer and they just kind of pull him out Hannibal Lecter style? Uh, that's we that. have a murderous cop and only the mind of another murderous cop can help us catch him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, the statement from Dr. Jonathan Lucas, quote, I have given careful consideration to the major variables in this case, supporting the administration of justice as well as the public's right to know. I do not believe that these are mutually exclusive ideals. Both are important particularly amid the ongoing national discussion about race, policing, and civil rights. I believe that government can do its part by being more timely and more transparent in sharing information that the public demands and has a right to see, end quote. Of course, uh, Supervisor Mark Ridley-Thomas jumped on the release of this report as another opportunity to shit on the sheriff, because that's apparently what they do, is just live in each other's mentions and retweeting each other, and it's it's hilarious and also extremely petty, which makes they're it even more fun. They're very catty. Oh yes. Like they're very. It's very slap fight style. Like oh, yeah. if you're expecting a drag down knockout like heavyweight bout, this ain't it. It's mm -hmm. just a lot of from two like very powerful men who should know how to comport themselves better, uh, and neither of whom deserves to be in power. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, so Mark Ridley Thomas said that it was, quote unquote, deeply troubling uh, that the Office of Inspector General had still not received the documents related to the investigation, which is uh, very correct. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole uh, exchange between the two. Uh, you can go over to the L.A. Times and get that. There's a lot. And, well, like, and, and look, Mark Ridley Thomas is contesting uh, for city council uh, for the, the District 10 seat for L.A. Yep. City Council. So we'll be talking about him plenty and Sheriff Alex isn't going any anywhere like either. Exactly. So we'll definitely be like covering their drama more in depth, probably as we get closer to the election. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> so like it would be tragic comic yeah. if like it wasn't just such a massive rolling human rights tragedy every day here in the county of Los Angeles. So I don't. Yeah, it's it's I don't like it, Chris. I know. Like I have to, I have to cover TikTok drama for for you know my regular jobby job, and that's slightly less worse than this drama. God, because at least with TikTok drama, people aren't dying. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, yeah, it's it's also like the TikTok drama. They're like, they're like seventeen. Like if you're <laughs> gonna be dramatic and stupid online, like being seventeen is like, right, right in the pocket where that's like acceptable behavior when you're like in your 50s i want to say for the both of them mm -hmm. uh you should definitely no longer be doing the like weird catty gossipy bullshit yep. uh but let's uh let's move on to other uh cop malfeasance this one uh specifically centered around lapd's elite metro division who was revealed to uh be incorrectly and illegally labeling young men of color as gang members uh, just like apparently is a matter of due course throughout their day. They just like randomly picked guys off the street and were like, now you're in a gang. Uh, so yeah. they got sued for this and there was a big LA times investigation. Uh, we were told that there would probably be indictments if they were appropriate. Has, uh, Michael Moore followed through on his promise? Well, uh, 
DA Lacey has followed through on his promise for him, surprisingly enough. Well, I mean, she wouldn't she wouldn't do that without his okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like, I'm gonna I feel per- perfectly fine saying that. Like, yeah, yeah. DA Lacey would not make a move like that unless the police chief was like, yeah, here's like pick some sacrificial lambs, oh, which she did. There were because some here's very the thing sacrificial is, lambs. Well, here's the thing is there were 12 officers in that original report, 12 mm-hmm. who were put on desk duty and reassigned because of their behavior. Only three people have been indicted right now. And we know that this was bigger than the 12 officers who were originally revealed to be doing this. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, yeah. Sucks to be those three dudes. It does. Uh, one of them in particular is uh, particularly egregious. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So uh, multiple law enforcement sources told NBC that LAPD officers Braxton Shaw, he's the worst, Michael Koblentz and Nicholas Martinez were notified Thursday that they were to surrender in court early Friday to face charges of falsely labeling innocent motorists and pedestrians that they stopped as gang members. Hooray. Yep. Quoting from NBC And this here. was, hmm? I was going to say, this is something also like, I go back to Ace's very viral tweet about how this happened to a juvenile client of his, not because the kid was in a gang or doing anything gang related or, you know, doing any of that whatsoever, but because like his cousin was a gang member. And so yeah. the LAPD officers were like, now you're a gang member by association. Uh, and so like, this has been something that has been known about for years, mm-hmm. but like we're finally getting enough pressure to get some reforms on it, even though this has been happening for fucking decades. Uh, so yeah, so I just needed to uh, Silver Lake and Echo Park was through these kinds of gang injunctions and the manipulation of the gang database to sweep entire fucking families up in this because there it was exactly that kind of shit. You know, if your yeah. cousin or you, if you go to a party and a gang member is at that party. Boom! You have now a gang affiliation, because as, as if the cops. Well, and it, it it it's really up to the cops as to whether or not they want to slap that on yep. you. Like it's completely up to the officer's discretion. There is no guidelines for who gets that label and who yep. doesn't, as far as like procedures are concerned. At least as far as we know, like we don't see all of the internal documents for LAPD, which is a different concerning topic. But uh, let's uh, yeah, we'll... <laughs> let's stay focused Ooh. on uh, on this one and. Uh, Again, like Metro Division is also the same people who are beating the shit out of us on the uh, 30th of May out at the Grove, uh, as well as like earlier in that week. Like if you see cops in riot, you're beating the shit out of someone in the city of L.A. There was a good chance that it's Metro. Yep. Or the the sheriff. But yes. Uh, So anyway, quoting from NBC on this particular instance of police malfeasance. Quote, according to a 59-count criminal complaint, the three were charged with conspiracy, filing false reports, and preparing fraudulent documents for court. It was not immediately clear how many of each of the charges applied to each officer, end quote. Uh, Braxton Shaw is, according to the filing, the most egregious of the three who filed 43 false, falsified interview cards. Koblenz uh, filed seven, Martinez filed two. The potential sentences uh, that they're all up for here range between four and nearly 32 years if they're convicted. Um, Yeah, so Michael Moore released a bullshit statement about this, uh, which I'm going to read because it needs to be read because they're so fucking bad. Quote, public trust is the bedrock of community policing, and these allegations shake that foundation. The actions of these few tarnish the badge that we all wear. The department is committed to continuing this comprehensive investigation <laughs> in our effort to restore the confidence of the people we protect and serve, end quote. Yep. Get fucked, Michael Moore, you piece of shit. 
Back in January, NBC Los Angeles first reported that, quote, more than a dozen LAPD officers were under investigation for allegedly submitting field interviews, re field interview reports that falsely labeled people they questioned as gang members. Data that was later added to a statewide law enforcement database of gang intelligence information called Cal Gang. Cal Gang. Quote. So um, two of the officers that were involved in this were from uh, the quote unquote elite Metro division. But the third one was not. I didn't actually figure out which one of them it was. Um, but they Metro Division has come under a bit of scrutiny in the last you know year ish. Um, back on May 26th, the LA Times uh, was reporting on these things and said, uh, "I'll just read a couple paragraphs real quick here." Quote: The elite Metropolitan Division made up about four percent of the force, but accounted for more than twenty percent of the department's field interview cards issued during a recent 18-month period. The analysis shows the division. Completed... Wow! Almost like that entire department has a certain way of operating. Uh, yeah, it's like a systemic failure of sorts. Uh, the division completed 44,000 cards from July 1st, 2018 through the end of last year. Metro Division officers completed their cards in 65% of their stops, more than three times the rate of officers in the 77th Street, Southeast, and Southwest Divisions, which have more crime than other parts of the city, records show. Um, also tying in here, there was uh, back in October of last year, the LA Times released a report. Oh, I actually got more graphics I wanted to show because there's <laughs> stuff. Hey, look at that. Metropolitan Division. Holy shit. They are an outlier compared to literally every other yep. uh, department within the LAPD or division rather. Uh, is one Chris, department. what part of elite don't you understand? Fair enough. Um, yeah. So uh, they're a bunch of assholes. Uh, and th this is uh, all of this ties back to some really gross shit that they were doing. Um, the back in October last year, LA Times released a report headlining, "Quote: Stop and frisk in a car. Elite LAPD unit disproportionately stopped black drivers." Data shows this was a graph that they had, which shows how bad it is. Um, yeah, the report found that LAPD was stopping black drivers at a rate five times their share of the city's population. Uh, and you know, well, at the same time, being far less likely to actually have contraband compared to white drivers who are pulled over. Yeah, uh, it's real bad. So anyway, the um, uh, I've got a little video that they put together for the L.A. Times, and we'll get to that uh, in a minute. Oh, hey, Gina has joined the chat and is commenting now. Thank you for tuning in, Gina. <laughs> we appreciate you. Uh, let's watch that video really quick. Justifying why they increased the number of cops was that there was a, an uptick in crime between uh, 2014 and 2015. Uh, violent crime, that was what justified, in the LAPD's mind, the need to increase the number of police and these stop and frisk stops. came out, uh, there was a an announcement made by Chief Moore 
that they would be dramatically reducing the number of these uh, random stops that they were doing. Which, by the way, how the fuck do you justify a random traffic stop rather than, you know, having probable cause, which they claim that they always do. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the same logic that ruled the, like, actual stop and frisks yeah. to be illegal. And it's also, like, this is one thing that really kind of vexes me as a vulnerable road user that I'm just going to voice here is I'm, as a cyclist and a pedestrian, a big fan of traffic enforcement. And also as, like, somebody who drives on the freeways in a car, mm -hmm. speeding, driving recklessly, like, this fucking kills people. Mm -hmm. at the same time the police are using traffic stops and like minor violations like having a brake light out or a tail light broken or making an incorrect turn or not signaling or having a headlight out like whatever name the minor infraction the cops are using that as a justification to pull people over to do broader contraband searches and step all over people's civil rights and also give themselves an opportunity to like plant evidence yep. on on people they pull over so yep. I'm caught between the whole, like, I don't want to die trying to bike to the grocery store and traffic stops are an inherently racist and biased form of enforcement. And I really don't know what, like, where the happy medium is, because especially having grown up in Arizona where we had a lot of photo enforcement, that shit's bunk, too. Like, it's really fucked up. So I don't really know where to draw the line, except that, like, we probably can't reform our way out of this. Like, anytime you're having the police conduct any kind of a thing, it's going to inherently become weaponized, racialized, and ineffective and just generate money for the department yep. rather than serving a good societal need. And it really, really, really fucking sucks because living in a city that has underinvested mass transit means people have to have cars to get around, especially if you live in South LA. Like yeah. the one train line that runs through there, the blue line, and soon to be the Crenshaw line, but the blue line is one of the most notoriously broken trains in the country. Yep. It is absolutely insane the amount of downtime and the slow speeds that train's at. It was closed for a year and now goes slower than when before they closed it. And still breaks. They were supposed to fix it's, it. <laughs> it's so absolutely ridiculously like it's it's these like these weird ways that we've socially created a system that boxes mm -hmm. people into certain choices mm -hmm. so they can be picked off by LAPD as a group of like super predators. And it's just really fucking dumb. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I wasn't really going anywhere with that other than be like, I don't like living in a stupid system where there are obvious problems, but the obvious solutions are foreclosed by people with guns. Yeah. So the uh, the, the fun stuff with all of this, and I'm just realizing that our ticker is uh, not doing good stuff. So we're going to get rid of it. Um, the, uh, the, it's every now and then it gets kind of spicy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was people who have hijacked hashtags like defund the police and are using it to shout pro police bullshit. Um, and yeah, we don't need to give them any more platform than they already have. Um, but one of the things I was going to point out here is that, uh, after the announcement that Moore made about them cutting back on these random stops, uh, they actually saw the field interview dr cards dropping from, uh, more that they they peaked out at seventy more than seventy percent of stops they were filling out these interview cards that dropped down to less than forty, so it's almost like they uh, were right. doing some bullshit and they actually kind of stopped a little bit. But th it needs a lot more. Like the people need to be held accountable for all of this and the fact that there, there's this new motion that was introduced, which, which we've mentioned before. I, I hope 
um, that uh, Marquise Harris Dawson and Mike Bonin were working on. They, they brought in uh, Herb Wesson and Curran Price. So this is four city council members, th the, the three black members, as well as Mike Bonin, uh, introducing a motion to remove LAPD from all traffic enforcement related activity. This is a huge issue and potentially yeah. one of the most meaningful steps to toward defunding the police and, and meaningfully restricting their involvement and engagement with the public because as you've mentioned a couple of times, Bushido, traffic stops is like one of the most random, randomly escalating opportunities for the police to engage in state violence and just fucking murder people, specifically black and brown people uh, that exists. And anything yep. that we can do to cut down on that is a, is a win for us. Removing LAPD from that enforcement altogether would be an absolutely huge win for anyone who is in the police and prison abolition movement uh and it would be great to see that happen so we're really really excited to see what happens with this uh, of course we know that there are going to be certain council members who are very vocally opposing this looking at you joe buscaino and john fucking lee um yep. but yeah it, it's going to be great to see hopefully that moving forward uh side note i believe that 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 motion actually has picked up some serious flack from lappl the the uh, uh los angeles police protective league because they are, they don't like it when you start uh, poking into their uh, their fat cash stacks uh, that they get from all of that. Which apparently, LA Department of Transportation pays the cops to do this. So this is a God huge... damn it! <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to make you mad with that. Uh, <laughs> money that we could be spending on public transportation and is well, instead being spent funding the police officers doing this kind of bullshit. Well, and also ah! that's that's just another. It's another one of these things we find out like. We say LAPD gets $3 billion a year, but that's an undercount because mm. that, what's also not included in that is all the other departments paying LAPD for services. So like, I don't know who's done the number on, uh, done the numbers on that, but like, there's a lot of extra money flowing to LAPD that's literally harming other departments who could yes. be using that budget for like other good stuff instead of paying overpriced cops for overtime. Because budgets but, are zero uh, some games. Yeah. yeah. But let's uh let's let's go ahead and uh, move on to at least some good news. So uh, up in Sacramento, there's a couple of pieces of housing legislation that are moving forward. Yep. Uh, both of them are really really good, protecting renters uh, in various different ways. Uh, they they kind of dovetail very nicely. Uh, but as we're not seeing any movement on the local level for any sort of a, an actual eviction moratorium or rent cancellation or anything that would actually protect Angelinos, we're kind of having to look to Sacramento. So let's yeah. talk about SB 1410. And AB fourteen thirty six for sure. So it's fun because this is, this ties in with how our local municipal governments are just like we can't do anything about this because we lack the legislative authority. And it's like mm, you don't, you're just passing the buck because you don't have spines. Um, anyway, quoting uh, from imagine the if they imagine if like LA City Council just passed like a state like a rent control that was illegal and then used LAPD to protect their ability to do that. Like, imagine a world in which that was the case. You know, instead of passing uh, unconstitutional violations of unhoused individuals' property rights, yeah, that it's amazing. They Where they decide to draw the line of what kind of illegal shit they're going to do versus other stuff that they could do that actually beneficial and be just as problematic from a legal perspective, uh, fuck them. Anyway, yep. um, quoting from the Sacramento Bee relating to SB 1410, 
Quote, California tenants behind on rent could soon get 14 years of emergency relief under a controversial bill approved on Friday by the state Senate and Democrats say would soften the financial blow to the state's most vulnerable renters. Senate Bill 1410 would let the state take responsibility for the unpaid rent from tenants who have struggled to make the payments during the pandemic. The tenants would then have 10 years, beginning in 2024, to pay California back. Landlords would then receive a 10-year tax credit for the same amount as the unpaid rent and have the option to sell the credits for cash. Yeah, craziness. So, um, this I is... Just, I, still, I still don't get why landlords are entitled to their fucking money. I do not understand where that principle came from or why everyone is so fucking beholden to, to accept it. Like... You lost your fucking job because of COVID? Tough shit. You're a landlord, a wealthy landlord, and you demand to get your money because you're providing some sort of a service by leasing your credit to other tenants? And I just... It is so fucking maddening and stupid. Like, let the landlords take a fucking bath. It's fine. If they can't survive that, they can sell their fucking building. Like, that's the other part I don't get with these landlords who are like, oh, I can't afford to pay my mortgage. Then fucking sell it. Yeah. No one's got a gun to your head to be a landlord. Just sell it. Cash out. Move to fucking Hawaii. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, oh your mortgage then- is more than you would actually make on it? Tough shit. Your financial, like, you did the wrong financial thing. You deserve to suffer. You're an investor. Downside risks. Fuck you. God damn it, Chris. Why do we do this? It just <laughs> makes me mad. Because it's important and we need to share the knowledge and anger with the wider populace because this is a useful service that we provide of just shouting into the ether about how fucking awful landlords are and why they need to be abolished. Um, Yeah, so let's dig a little bit into the the 1410 analysis coming out of uh, Brian Augusta, who is a lawyer with the California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation. Uh, You can follow him over on at HSG Advocate at HSG Advocates on Twitter. There's a plural and I fucked it up. Uh, First thing is that the state agrees to provide the landlord with a tax credit equal to the unpaid rent. Second is that the landlord does not evict the tenant for the unpaid rent in exchange for that tax credit. And the third thing is that tenants agree to repay the unpaid rent to the state over a 10-year period, though lower-income tenants can seek a waiver of all or a portion of the debt to the state. So this is potentially very useful, but it's, it's so convoluted in its implementation and by doing like deferred tax payments, it's really a very interesting financial arrangement that they're setting up here. And again, as you've pointed out, it is absolutely bound to protecting the landlords for no fucking reason, even though they don't actually contribute anything to society. And uh, yeah, well, we're not going to go start quoting Mao all the way yet, but that's where we're headed. Um In case you thought that maybe these senators were really actually on our side, here's what one of the bill's two introducing authors, Stephen Bradford from Cardina, had to say about it. Quote, I want to be clear, this is not an excuse for tenants not to pay their rent. We hope that it's an incentive for the tenant to pay their rent. End quote. Yep, this is about protecting landlords, folks. Uh, The other introducing author is Anna Caballero, who represents the Salinas Valley and part of the Central Valley, and the principal co-authors are Senators Atkins and Hertzberg, because of course they're Senators Atkins and Hertzberg, because nobody else introduces anything useful in the Senate. Uh, AB 1436, on the other hand, is a much better piece of legislation, so we're going to give you instructions on who you need to call to get that shit rolling, uh, because it is currently scheduled to be heard in the Senate Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, August 4th, so call these Senators before then. Let me put the thing up for that here. Call them. 
You need to call Atkins, uh, Hertzberg, and Caballero, and Jackson. Uh, there's their phone And look, numbers. even even if you don't live in one of their districts and call you like anyway. live in a district, <laughs> yeah, like I, I like Holly Mitchell is my state senator. Yep. I'm still gonna call her and tell her to do it. Like she's already going to vote yes on this by all accounts. Um, but I still want her office to know that I support tenant protections. I support renter protections. Like even it's if you're not in a vulnerable, like. Yeah, but even if you're not in like a contested or vulnerable like uh, a district or like your senator's already down with the cause for the most part, keep the pressure up uh, because they're liable to to want to change their opinion at one point based on what other people are telling them. And like it's kind of a pain in the butt to like call over and over and over again, but it's really worth it. Like it it really does make a difference within these legislative offices, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to someone like Holly Mitchell, who is trying to beat Herb Wesson at the County Board of Supervisors. Like, if she wins that race, we want her to know that the people who put her in power really want to see tenants protected. Absolutely. Uh, and also, you can call the other state senators, even if you don't live in the district, and still tell them to vote for this because uh, they should vote for this. So yeah, they're, they're not going to they're not going to care as much, but you can still do it. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, so because this this is the last committee hearing that this bill is going to be going through, uh, we're hoping that maybe 1436 is going to get an earlier hearing date because um, August 4th is like, that's like the very tail end of the legislative cycle for things that can actually get passed. The earlier you can hear it, the more likely it is that things can actually get worked out and put on the floor for a vote and then move to the governor's desk to be signed. And so also the earlier we can do this, the more likely it is that we can help protect renters who are about to get completely fucked by the system because no one is talking about proper extension of uh, these eviction moratoriums and the sheriff's department is going to start going around and evicting people. And it seems that likely at some point here, uh, I think you've said this before, Bushido, there's going to probably end up being an escalation to a state of violence where during one of these evictions, uh, the sheriff's going to end up killing somebody like that's probably going to happen and it's going to be very fucking bleak um yep. what this bill does uh is it provides that tenants cannot be evicted due to unpaid rent accrued from covid19 state of emergency uh and it goes for 90 days after the emergency is done or until april 1st whichever is earlier this is april 1st next year uh mm -hmm. requires tenants to resume regular rent payments within 90 days of the end of the Eviction Prevention and Stability Act, which, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba, again, April 1st. Um, and it just, it requires uh, tenants to be providing their landlords with a written statement declaring that COVID-19, there's a bunch of shit in here that's, it's like, you still have to jump through a bunch of hoops rather than it being like a universally applied thing because yeah. apparently you have to prove for some fucking reason that you were impacted by COVID-19, even though the fact is that like the majority of workers in the state of California have been impacted by COVID-19? Like, do well, and, you know anyone who hasn't been? Well, and, and here in the in the city of Los Angeles, our unemployment rate is even higher than the rest of the states. Like, we're at 20% in the city of LA, and it's not distributed equally. You know, folks with white-collar-ish jobs like myself have been pretty fine. It's people in essential industries, people in lower-paid work, that are not fine and the people who will need the most help with rent and the people who are the least able to hop through these hoops. Also at the same time, like we don't means test landlords, no. right? When some like 10 building owning asshole who's like, I'm a mom and pop operation and I need a bailout or I'm going to go broke. The state doesn't ask them to prove it. The state just calls the sheriff and says, get those lazy tenants out of that fucking building. Yep. 
like that's one reason I like the homes guarantee is it's like means test the fucking landlords. Yeah, I mean that's where we need to be going, but that's not what we have. So, uh, in yes. the interim. AB 1436 is basically the best we've got coming out of the state legislature right now. Please call these senators. Again, their phone numbers are up on the yeah. screen. We're going to include all this information in the show description if you're listening to this as the, the audio-only version. Um, yeah. This, this I mean, like to put a fine... is so disappointing, but yeah. But to put a fine point on this, LA County Sheriff's Department is talking about uh, starting evictions as early as August 3rd. Uh, the eviction moratorium runs out at the end of July. Yeah. LA City Council is not doing anything to extend it. <laughs> LA County Board of Supervisors not doing anything to extend it. Uh, the courts are not fully open yet. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plan moves forward. Yeah. We know illegal evictions have been happening. We know that that is a thing and that LAPD is too fucking stupid to know their own job because LA County Sheriff's conducts lockouts. LAPD is who you call if you're illegally locked out. If you're illegally evicted from your apartment, like your landlord shows up and changes the locks on you and tells you you no longer live here, you call LAPD to let you back into the place where you live. LAPD doesn't fucking know that and doesn't like uh, enforcing that particular part of their job. So we're in a really, really shitty place where tenants are just going to catch it from all sides. And the one thing I want to say to anyone who's out there and thinking like, hey, I might get evicted soon. Hey, my landlord's pressuring me to move out. Do not self-evict. Yeah. Literally, do not fucking self-evict. Find a tenants' union near you. Talk to your fucking neighbors. Get organized. Stay in your home. Like, make it a fight. Do not give the landlord what they want. Make them take you to court. Ask for a fucking jury trial. Draw that fucking process out. Because that is the only way we're going to get to a point where, like, the system can't be enforceable. Right? They can't evict us all really mean something when you're talking about trying to schedule tens of thousands of eviction trials over the next year with people still living in their homes. Like yep. at some point that system will be overwhelmed if we all stick together in solidarity. Don't take a fucking buyout. Don't take a nice like handshake. I'll get out at the end of the month. Stay in your home. It's your fucking home. We all need to fight for this. Yep. hundred percent. Um, as a bit of a, a fun note to get you even more riled up, you want to talk about the, uh, energy independence, California stuff. Real quick. I mean, no. You said you saw some of these ads. I don't know what it is, but by the, the name of it, I'm not going to like it. You're not going to like it, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, yeah, so when I was reading up on SB 1410, uh, the Sacramento Bee, the, the first thing that they hit you with because you need to support them with advertising if you're not a subscriber, and I'm not a subscriber. Uh, but they also hit you with ads anyway, even if you are a subscriber for a lot of these things. Um, but yep. I got hit by this, really, um, this ad that really stood out to me uh, because it's – uh, very much up our shouting podium stuff. Like it, it, it sucks. Here, let's watch it. I'm a fourth generation farmer, and my family's been here since the 1880s. The resiliency of the folks here in the Central Valley is second to none. But at the same time, no, there are challenges. You don't have a as a as a white vineyard owner who employs a lot of migrant non-white labor the oil and gas industry is a bedrock of, of the economics of this valley they are what this community depends I, I can on tell you, I here oil and gas production is the most environmentally regulated in the world 
and helps provide over 30,000 good-paying local jobs. That means over $300 million each and every year for first responders and local schools. But now Sacramento agencies are restricting local production. Threatening our jobs. That's not good for California or the Central Valley. So we're fighting. Because we care. It's dumb as all hell. That's what we do here in the Valley. It's not good for people who live in the Central Valley. That's why the Central Valley has some of the highest rates of asthma and respiratory illness. Not to mention, like, just workers who are being worked to the bone to feed America. And not even to feed America. Like, so much of the agriculture in the Central Valley is corporate bullshit. You know, growing almonds and other stuff. Almonds, almonds, all that shit. So... You know, uh, we've been we've been we've been pushing uh, for a twenty five hundred foot setback mm-hmm. for oil and gas wells, like as a minimum. Like that's the point is like to stop it as a minimum, but also up in places like Kern County where there's a lot of fracking that happens, and they're also sitting on faults. Uh, we really need to just stop fracking altogether. Being an earthquake prone state, yeah. Uh, and yeah, um, sorry. To yeah, totally... you're right, Chris. I I I hated that. I did not like it at all. Um, yeah, so it's, it's this astroturfing. I don't. I don't understand why energy independence means being dependent on multinational oil and gas firms, when like wind and sun are just like free and readily available. Like, one of those seems more independent than the other. Um, I don't know. I saw some. I saw some body armor being advertised on Facebook that called itself a tool of liberty, and I was like, you know, <laughs> words. Words don't mean anything. Chomsky was wrong. There's no such thing as universal grammar. Words uh, are absolutely meaningless. Uh, the death of the author isn't uh, a concept about projects and vision. It's more a syllable-to-syllable, phoning-to-phoning concept where we're constantly destroying and inventing new meaning as somebody speaks a sentence at us. Um, yep. Yeah, what do we got going on this week, Chris? What what's uh, what's good on the uh, on the calendar? There's 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 lots of stuff going on. Um, I I want to highlight for folks that the Los Angeles Tenants Union, which we used to talk about their meetings all the time, they've moved a lot of those meetings over to digital spaces. Uh, if you sign up with Vibe, uh, the Vermont and Beverly um, chapter of the Los Angeles Tenants Union, you can get information yeah. about how to tune into their meetings. They send you regular text updates. It's great. Uh, I unsubscribe from the text updates because they are always happening at the same time as a ground game meeting and I can't do both. So uh, not useful for me, but if you are a tenant living in basically the, the mid Wilshire, not mid Wilshire, uh, but the Vermont and Beverly Wilshire corridor area, and you want to get involved with local tenant organizing, LATU is great. Please do that. Uh, there are a number of other organizations out there that are all doing a lot of great digital organizing work. Um, Next week, there's going to be a, uh, a a town hall happening that is going to mean that we are not going to be doing this podcast on Saturday. Uh, we're going to yep. do it on Sunday instead uh, because we're going to be down there for helping out with the People's Budget LA BLM uh, town hall in response to the introduction of the new measure that Herb Wesson and the rest of like half the council put forward to look at replacing police with an unarmed nonviolent response team. Uh, so that'll be happening on Saturday next week at 10 a.m. We'll put up the details uh, in the social media stuff as soon as we've got the flyers all done. Uh, actually, I think I have them uh, available now, so I'll, I'll send them out there. It's going to be at um, the, which park is this? Uh, Norman Houston Park. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll we'll, we'll put the the uh, flyers up for that. I, sorry, I don't have it here up for the 
uh, Twitch broadcast right now. But Norman Houston Park, Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, BLM always does an amazing job with any of these rallies, and uh, we'll be there to help film it. So it's going to be fun. Uh, other than that, we've got the weekly ground game meetings on Thursdays. We've got a bunch of other stuff that ground game is involved with. If you want to get involved with knock, uh, our, our media production organization, uh, hit us up. We'll let you know when to come in and, and jump onto zoom calls with us. Uh, all of the other stuff that we're involved with, just hit us up on social media. We'll, we'll, we'll plug you into the various meetings and digital outreach I'll, that we're doing. Also, Knock has been producing a lot of pieces recently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, make sure you're heading over there to read what's what's new because there's been some really good articles. And we've got a lot of really good new stuff being planned, plus the Twitch show, which is going to be every Wednesday at 8. Uh, I'm hosting the next week. Uh, and we're going to have uh, Fatima, uh, who's running for Assembly in 8064. Yes. And uh, I believe Albert Corrado, who is planning yes. the March for Melly, which is going to be next Sunday, the mm -hmm. uh, 19th, uh, starting at 2 p.m. And it's going to be up in Sewer Lake. We'll get you more details on that later this week. Uh, but I think that about rounds us out for another incredibly frustrating, stupid <laughs> week in this ever disintegrating country of ours. Um, I, like I don't know, This was going to be a short like, one, and we're already at an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 11 minutes in right now. So, I mean... <laughs> just like i'm just rolling over in my mind the horror images of people at disney world and i don't know like the japanese theme park that banned screaming on roller coasters and told everyone to scream inside your heart um <laughs> wait what i think that's i think that's the motto for for 2020 oh, scream God. inside your heart folks <laughs> thank you all very much for uh for for uh oh. dropping in as me and chris uh compete to see who can have an aneurysm first yeah uh one of us will get there uh and they will be the winner in this dystopian <laughs> hell world of ours <laughs> but uh, i hope you all stay safe out there uh stay home wear a mask yeah. wash your hands you know what the fuck you're doing if you're if you're watching this you're probably not an idiot and we thank you for that yes thank you um so as always if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in publicizing just being made aware of please send us a message can reach us through the ground game la facebook page you can find us on twitter on instagram uh, all the socials will be in the description uh and you know the drill so this podcast and every ground game podcast is a production of knock.la support our work over on patreon patreon.com slash knock underscore la uh thank you very much for tuning in and uh yeah we'll catch you next week later
Sunny Bumble. Sunny Bumble. Sunny Bumble.